Welcome to B2B Marketers on a Mission, a podcast for change makers where we question the conventional, debunk marketing myths, provide actionable tips, think differently, disrupt industries, and take your marketing to a new level. From improving your campaigns to making you a better marketer, these are the inspirational stories that will help us change the way we think and approach B2B marketing one conversation at a time. This podcast is brought to you by Einblick Consulting, helping you to stand out in the market and drive revenue to your B2B business. And now your host, Christian Klepp. Welcome everyone to this episode of B2B Marketers on the Mission. This is a show where we help you to question the conventional, think differently, disrupt your industry, and take your marketing to new heights. This is your host, Christian Klepp, and today I am joined by someone on a mission to help business leaders become culturally relevant with the wonders of high quality translation, localization, and interpretation. So Wendy Pease, welcome to the show. Thank you, Christian. It's great to be here. Great to be connected, Wendy. And uh, you know, as they say in Mandarin, right? <laughs> I'll say even though in, I don't know what you said. <laughs> indeed, indeed. It's it's basically just a just a polite way of saying pleased to meet you. Ah. And, and I said Shesheni, which means thank you. <laughs> correct, correct. And uh, that's a great segue to kick off this conversation because today we are going to talk about your area of expertise, which is about language, languages, I should say plural, translation, how sometimes people get lost in translation, and the importance of language on a global scale. So let's kick off with the first question, which is basically that you are not just a cultural wordsmith, but you are indeed, in every sense of the word, a global citizen. So if I read your LinkedIn profile correctly, you grew up in Taiwan. As you said a couple of minutes ago, you spent some time in Los Banos in the Philippines and other countries, to name a few. But for this conversation, let's focus on the topic of the language of global marketing, or as you like to put it, translating your domestic strategies into international sales and profits. So talk to us about why you believe that's so important in the world of global B2B marketing. Okay, well, as you know, since you've had uh, international exposure and um, that there's a huge market out there, there are lots of people out there, they're, they're you know, people want to buy goods that solve their problems. Um, and it's funny, both of us said some Chinese and you're from you know, you didn't grow up in China, you live there. I lived in Taiwan. It's not one of my languages. I speak more Spanish, French, and Italian because uh, I also lived in Mexico. Um, and I wrote the book, The Language of Global Marketing, Translate Your Domestic Strategies into International Sales and Profits, because I noticed that in running Rapport International, um, a language translation interpretation company, people were asking a lot of the same questions. And it starts out with, why should I translate? Well, there's a huge market in there. And I go into a little bit of, you know, markets in different countries that you can go into. Then I talk about the buyer's journey. And that's changed. It used to be you'd buy local, whatever your main street store had, you, you were forced to buy because that's all you could access. Now with the internet worldwide, 
people can get your goods from anywhere. And I even heard of a, a company that consolidates shipments here in the US to send over to Africa. I think the country was Kenya or Nigeria. I can't be sure, but the, it's probably both places. So people could order from US Amazon website, it consolidates in the US and then it's a mass shipment overseas so they can get the goods. And I see people making mistakes, number one, in not having a strategy to reach out. And the second is how they're trying to connect with their consumer. So across the communications. So in the book that I wrote, I talk about how you think about strategy and then how you do your communications to connect with the people so they find you and buy from you no matter where you are in, in the world. Absolutely, absolutely. I love how you brought that up. And that was actually a nice segue into the next question about mistakes and misconceptions that people make with global marketing. And uh, besides not having the right strategy, uh, what are some of the other mistakes that you've uh, seen out there? And what do you think people need to do to address those proactively? Well, I think the first mistake is not having a good corporate strategy because your corporate strategy drives your marketing strategy, which drives your global uh, marketing or your multilingual strategy. So first, you've got to make sure those are in alignment. I see a lot of companies that go, oh, we got a request from here. We should translate our website into this or we need a brochure into that. And so they're reactionary. They're starting with the, the tactics rather than the strategy. Then um, there's a lot of different, you know, so I think that's one mistake. A second mistake is people thinking, well, my domestic market is good enough. You know, so if you're in the United States, you're probably thinking that way, you know, less than 5% of the companies export, 98% of those are small and mid-sized businesses. And those that do have higher revenues, these are exporters, have higher revenues, higher profits, higher salaries, higher valuations, um, and more stability. Because as the US market drops, other markets could be going up. So th this is all research from the Department of State um, to show that if you think about exporting, um, you know, if you actually export, you're going to do better. And they have all sorts of grants and programs here in the United States to help support. And this isn't, you know, I live in the United States, so I know more about those, but I've researched some of the other countries and they, they have supports to help their companies export because it's bringing more money into the country. So, you know, if you're from outside of the United States, go, go contact your Department of Commerce or an embassy for the country that you want to go into and talk about how, it, how to do international trade because it's huge. Um, so I think, you know, aligning your strategies, looking outside your domestic market, and then how do you do your communications? Think about your buyer's journey. You know, your buyers first come online when they've got a problem and they're saying, I've got this problem, how am I going to solve it? So they want to find content that, identifies their problem and talks about the solution. So you're not even selling yet. You're just informing. And then when they find you and read about it, they go, okay, well, tell me why you're better. Tell me why I'd want to work with you. Tell me, you know, how much does it cost? What are the other options? So this, you have the attract phase, you have the engage phase. And then the delight is after they've become a client, what do you do to retain them? 
upsell them and get referrals from them because happy clients are going to refer you. So along those three stages, you want to make sure that whoever you've identified in your strategy um, know what language they speak and provide content in language on those three stages. So you're you're hooking the people in and they become raving fans and then send you more business. That's what spins the wheel to, to grow. Um, where I see mistakes is people will, you know, they'll start in marketing and then they won't have the engage and, uh, something like 85, 75, 85% of the people won't buy again. If you don't have post-sales support in language. Um, okay. So that's another mistake is the communications, thinking about the stages and not providing it in language. And then the fourth mistake that I, I have to bring up is using machine translation. Before we started recording, Christian, we were talking about Google Translate and how some of your employees will do it to talk to your client in China. And um, they they just don't get it. They don't understand. And so there's machine translation and then there's AI and chat GPT. And we continually watch it to say, is this going to put us out of business? And so far, the quality is not there. You know, if you really want, if it's something that's going to increase your revenue or increase your liability, those are the things that you need to provide high quality human translation for. Now, there is a need for machine translation, um, and I talk about it in the book. Like if you get tons of customer reviews, it's hard to translate all those. And, the you know, they're also going to look at the rating. If you're getting five star ratings, then the people are going to know, okay, whatever's under uh, underneath here, I can get the gist of it, but I know it's a good review. That's the kind of thing you can use machine translation for. You get an email and you don't know what it means, pop it into chat DPT or whatever machine language, you know, machine translation you're using. It, you know, this is, you know, is it a unrequested solicitation? that you know you can delete or is it something you need to deal with and then you got to figure out how you're going to deal with it so those are the big mistakes that i see in uh global marketing wow that was a handful but yeah you're absolutely right um i mean especially in that last point i'm there is a certainly a time and place for ai and and uh, machine translation but um in my experience um it's not going to replace um folks like yourself anytime soon i mean yeah. to your point but I did have one follow-up question for you, uh, Wendy, which I'm sure you will have no problem answering. Besides the translating into the into that specific uh, geography's language, how important? I mean, I probably know the answer to this already, but how important do you think it is to you know for the said B2B brand or that B2B company to understand the nuances of the local culture? Because um, not every not everybody's the same, right? Not everybody <laughs> thinks the same way, purchases the same way, makes decisions the same way, correct? That okay. So you're you're bringing up the whole how do I define the word translation? Mm. Okay, which is you, you brought. It's a great point. So yes, you know it needs to be culturally adapted. Okay, but let's talk about translation as a term. Under I look at translation as the 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 generic term, and underneath it you have 
globalization, localization, transliteration, transcreation, cultural adaptation. So all these terms are a type of translation. So I use it in the general sense because I don't expect people outside the industry to know the definitions. What I expect them to do is call me or one of my team members or their expert in the market and say, this is my strategy. This is what I'm trying to accomplish. And then we can work through them what they need. And then we can tell them whether it's localization, globalization, you know, whatever the, the term is. But it's it's irrelevant. It all goes back to what is your strategy. Okay, when I'm talking about high quality translation, I'm talking about culturally adapted translation. So say you create something for your market in Toronto, right? How you're going to adapt that for the Chinese market is going to take somebody that know is not only bilingual English Chinese, they are going to have to be a native Chinese speaking person, preferably from the area where you're going to use the content. So if you say something in, in there that doesn't make sense, like hit a home run, which, you know, there's the Toronto Blue Jays. So you know what that means. And somebody might use that in their marketing uh, material. But using that in China isn't going to make sense because they don't follow baseball like people in uh, Toronto or in the United States. So the the translator might come back and say, this isn't going to make sense. You know, can we come up with something else that will make sense? And that's how they're going to adapt it. So it really connects. Now, machine translation isn't going to do that. It just doesn't have the capacity for it. Um, because you think about even in the United States or Canada, there's a real difference between geographic regions. I mean, in Quebec, you've got to have French there. But, you know, out on the West Coast of Canada, um, you don't need as much French out there because it's not you don't have that region. So there's a whole cultural mix there. So when I talk about translation, I'm in my mind, you know, the translation we do is culturally adapted, high quality translation. Then you might have to get into global globalization or localization, which is the level of culturally adapting that you need to do it. So you thought it was an easy answer, but there's so many complexities and deeper layers to it. I'm glad you asked the question. Well, thanks for sharing that. And yes, I knew it was um, it wasn't going to be a simple yes or no answer. There was definitely like uh, more levels of complexity there. As you were talking in the past couple of minutes, you you reminded me of uh, one of these anecdotes of which I have many of my time out in China. And it was a colleague of mine who was an architect in a German company, right? So they were having a meeting with their, their Chinese counterparts. They used English as the lingua franca. And I remember his boss saying, like, you know, they, they reviewed the drawings and she was satisfied with the work that the team had produced. And, and she says, okay. It seems like we're all in the green area now. And what that actually was, was she was translating directly like a quote from German. Because in German, you say, when you say that, you say, that means we're in the green area, which means everything's okay. It's great. It's fantastic. But for the Chinese counterparts, that completely threw them off. And they just looked at her with utter confusion. They said, green area? What are you talking about? The drawing of the park is over here, right? Like. <laughs> so you're absolutely right and you you probably have tons of stories like that where things just get lost in translation and it's not just 
from the linguistic point of view, but from the cultural aspect as well. Right? <laughs> yes, yes. That's the kind of thing that if you were you wrote that in German and we were translating that, that would it wouldn't say yeah. in the green yeah. area. We'd have to change it to, you know, we're all in agreement now. Or, we're all or, in agreement, yes. There's yeah. a consensus has been reached or something to yes. that effect. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I've heard um cultures define um putting something on the table. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, differently, like let's lay it all out on the table right. means, you know, you could talk about it later or let's talk about it right now. So mm-hmm. all those little things that we throw in there, you have to be and that's you have to be very careful about. And it's a really good reminder to anybody that's listening that writes content. Yes. Yeah, it's all fun to be creative, but if you know it's going to be used in a global marketplace or being translated, then think very carefully about the words that you're using. Try to use shorter sentences, be write very clear, and be direct and to the point. So the point can be translated Correct. accurately. Correct. And to and to one of your previous points is understand the local market where this is going to be rolled out and Right? Yes. And there's so many examples, but one of my favorite ones, just very quickly, is Rolls-Royce came out with a with a new model. I think it was back in the 90s, if I'm not mistaken. It was called Silver Mist, right? And then they rolled <laughs> that out into the German-speaking countries, and they realized they 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 were surprised to find out like why were the sales not very high, right? Or why weren't they making any sales at all? Until they realized that the word mist in German actually means garbage. <laughs> I think there was there was yeah. another product that came out as yeah. mist too. Yeah. Yeah. There was a whole slew of IKEA products that came yeah. out with funny names and the yeah. Pinto in Brazil. I mean, I, right. when I speak, I have all sorts of examples and I'm making that point. You've got to research it. And we Absolutely. we do. We've tested mm. um brand names that's one of the services that we do is okay this is the brand name that you're talking about are you going to translate it are you going to use the original name like how are you going to trademark it um or you are are you going to adapt it and then we'll take it out to people in market and test it and ask for images you know images it can conjure in their mind or do they have any associations with it to make sure that you don't run into something like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, it's Christian Klepp here. We'll get back to the episode in a second. But first, is your brand struggling to cut through the noise? Are you trying to find more effective ways to reach your target audience and boost sales? Are you trying to pivot your business? If so, book a call with Einblick Consulting. Our experienced consultants will work with you to help your B2B business to succeed and scale. Go to www.einblake.co for more information. So on to the next question, and you probably have many, but just pick one. Talk to us about a global marketing challenge that you've helped a client to solve in the past 12 months. You know, I'm going to talk about the one that we did in Staples, and I, I can't tell you if it was in the last 12 months or, you know, a few years ago, but I love this one because they came up with it. Actually, it was probably longer because they might have changed their tagline now. They they pulled back more into a domestic strategy, but they were uh, expanding internationally and they had the tagline, make more happen. 
creative. They could take the more out and they could put make work happen, make art happen, make, you know, so they could, they had like seven or eight different terms that they could take out and rotate in to create those different creative um, marketing campaigns. And so they asked us to translate it and we couldn't bookend it the same way that they did in English because how you got that point across in other languages wouldn't allow for the bookends. Um, and so we we had to be creative on how we adapted the message they were trying to get across um, to make sure that we work on their international campaigns. That was one part of it. The second part of it is uh, one of the campaigns was make refrigerator art happen. Now, okay, you've lived in various places. Do you know what refrigerator art is? About half the people know, half the people don't. Uh, refrigerator art? Yeah. You're not talking about like drawings that you stick on the refrigerator with magnets, right? Or is it? Yeah, <laughs> oh, it that's is. exactly okay. it. Okay. Yeah, typically parents do it mm -hmm. for their kids. You know, they right. put it up there to proudly display it. Yeah. Well, the French translator came back. She was from Paris and she's like, in France, we don't do that. You know, the refrigerators <laughs> for keeping food cold. We don't have refrigerator art. So that was a campaign we had to go back and, and say to them, well, do you want to use this? Do you want to come up with something else that would be more appropriate for the French market or do you want to just do away with that campaign in France? And then ultimately, they decided to do away with it and just use it in in the U.S. Yeah, yeah. No, I can imagine. I can I can yeah. totally imagine. I I did remember um, working out in Asia, Asia Pacific. There were a couple of campaigns that were global campaigns that they had to locally adapt or do away with in countries like Malaysia and Indonesia. And it was mostly not because of uh, language. It was more because of um, uh, religious issues. Yes. Yes. So there's that. That's there's all that part to contend of the culture. With as well. yeah. 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 Whether you can show the bottom of the foot or paint, pat the head or, yes. you know, like thumbs up is an expression we use in the United States, mm -hmm. but that can be offensive in other places, just like the OK sign. So if you've got yeah. you've got I mean, that's all part of it is, is we do the content translation, but we also like to see how it looks in the layout to do a final proof to make sure there's no drop text, but also to make sure that colors and images and pictures are are all appropriate. Absolutely. So we get to the part of the show where we talk about actionable tips and granted that, you know, you can't always take like your many years of experience and just implement them all in 10 minutes. But if people listening to this show, were going to walk away and implement something, what are like, say the top three or five things you would want them to do specifically in terms of um, rolling out a marketing campaign in a different geography or geographies okay <laughs> number one you help me keep count because i got i got a lot of action steps number one is is buy my book on amazon it's the language of global marketing i think the audio version is even free now um so i recorded it, it's in my voice but that will give you a, a play map for what i'm going to talk about number two is to think about your strategy so um, think about what's one market that you could go into now and try 
to expand, you know, and to, to do in that strategy, you can look at your Google analytics to see where you're already getting traffic. You can think about what's geographically close. You can think about what makes sense, or you can reach out to your local um, state trade advisor and ask them to help you walk through a strategy. Okay. Number three, then is to think about now that you've got your, your company strategy, what is your marketing strategy? Do you have content across attract, engage, and delight? And which of the content is most popular? Again, go back to your Google Analytics, pick out a few of those assets from each of those stages and think about what language you're going to translate that into. Now, you know, I'm just saying naturally translate because a lot of companies in their strategy will say, oh, I'm going to go into another uh, English speaking country like the UK or Australia. Um, but we do translation from English to English to go into those markets. So even if you're going into there, you know, have a talk with your language expert to see whether you need to translate it or not. It can depend on your specific instance. So that is your, your marketing strategy. Then um, that aligns your multilingual strategy. Okay. So you've got the strategy. I think I'm up to number four now. Am I yep. at four? Yes, four. Okay. So number four, then, is to think about the process. What are all the things that you need to do for exporting and what that what's that process going to need to be? You know, can you distribute through Amazon? Do you need a logistics provider? And this is all something your state trade export can do. And then how are you going to manage your translations? You know, I, I, I'm narrowing in on this, this part because it's the part I know best, but I'm also connected to people that, uh, I mean, the global export community is small. I mean, we all know each other and share resources because we're all trying to help the companies doing it. People who help exporters are very passionate about it. So think about your process. We, you know, Now you've defined what you're going to translate, what's that process gonna be? Number five is look at your technology. Okay, so if your website is built in WordPress, there's some things that we can hook it up to, to pull down the translation, to push the translation back up. Um, you know, do, do you take your buyer through the complete journey and have people online? Um, are we going to use a translation memory as part of the technology? Cause you're going to reuse the content over and over again. So we got strategy, process, technology. And then number six, I would say is quality. You know, when you're looking at your global marketing, where do what quality do you need to have? Does it need to be high quality where you're working with an agency that only does human translation? Or is there some content that isn't as important for high quality that we you can leverage the machine? Okay, so once you've defined all that, you know, and write down a few paragraphs on each page, you've got your exporting strategy that you're going to do. Um, so I would say those are the next five or six tips. Oh, um, in four, if you're really brainstorming on it and you want more information, of course, you can get the book. If you're not a book person, you can listen to my podcast, which is the language, uh, I mean, the, the Global Marketing Show. Just search Global Marketing Show online. It'll take you to a website where you can listen or you can get it on all your podcast listening places. Um, and then our website, Rapport Translations, R-A-P-P-O-R-T, uh, just like the French word, Rapport Translations. Um, we've got a whole learning center. So you can go in there and search for anything. It's not gated content. It's all free because we want to help you understand what you're doing. 
Fantastic. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> yeah, blah, 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 blah. That's a pretty good list. Thanks so much for sharing that. And uh, note to the listeners, we will drop all the links in the show notes to the podcast, the website, the link to the book on Amazon that Wendy had just mentioned. So thanks, thanks so much again for sharing that. Thank um, you. That was a great segue into what is almost the inevitable question. So you've laid out now the six steps that B2B marketers need to be thinking about if they're rolling out campaigns globally. But at some point, they're going to have to have that meeting or that presentation with the board of directors to show results, to show that what they've rolled out is working. So just from your experience, what metrics do you think they should be paying attention to? And I know you can go in different directions with this one, but over to you. Yeah, I, I mean, it goes back to the attract, engage, and delight. So on attract, you're going to watch your Google Analytics. What? How is the visitorship rising to your website, to those translated pages that you're doing? You know, are your salespeople uh, selling to other markets? Are they demanding translated brochures? How many of those are, are you sending out? Or what are your click-throughs when people are, you know, if you're, you're putting links into your email and sending it out? So just, you can watch Google Analytics and you can pull up a lot for that. In the Engage, how how is your business increasing you know you're watching your sales funnel are you getting more inquiries are you getting more requests um you know so you can measure that and then you know the engages is what are your sales doing and what's your retention rate so you can watch it all the way across one thing if anybody's listening and you're tracking this and you have an english only website i would love to know the intersection of are you getting visitors from other countries and is their bounce rate higher and faster? I would love to, uh, sometime I'm going to figure out how to research that because my premise is, is if you have machine translation or the Google Translate plugin in your website, my guess is people are going to come in, see it's not good and they're going to bounce out. And so I've just been starting to play around with that to, to show how important it is to have good translation on that. So if you're measuring that, let me know. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you're talking about translation. You're not talking about like <laughs> inserting the uh, the URL into a Google translation browser and then press stop, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's so many other problems mm. with that. If you're using the Google Translate plugin, I mean, I see people, number one, you're putting at the bottom of your page. And so, you know, if I don't speak Chinese and I go to a Chinese website and I can't immediately see the Google, the translate, the translation, I'm gone because I can't see it. You know, now Google is coming up, do you, you know, an offering, do you want us to naturally translate that? But if you're putting the plugin in, it's causing problems with your search. You can't navigate to it. When you finally navigate to it, oftentimes the languages aren't even translated. So I went to a Chinese website. I found the Google Translate plugin. And then I looked at the list and English was written in Chinese. So I couldn't even, I couldn't even navigate to it. Um, so if you want to have, you know, best practices is to put a globe up near the top right-hand side. Uh, somebody can access it from there. Make sure the language is translated that you get into. And you don't have to do your whole website. You can do your whole website, which can be prohibitively expensive. Um, or, or you can do a microsite, which gives the answers to the questions helping the people through the buyer's journey. 
Or um, you can do a landing page. And we've had uh, clients that want to do a landing page, see how their metrics are, and then they can add content in as they go along. And that's a benefit to your website, because if you continue to add content, it's going to show up more and more in the search terms. Uh, We didn't even talk about search terms, but... Yeah, so that, that that would probably be a topic for another um, episode. Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> All right, Wendy, this is an opportunity for you to get up on your soapbox. But um, and you've mentioned some of these things already, I'm sure. But what is a status quo in your area of expertise that you passionately disagree with, and why? Uh, yeah, we've I've mentioned it. I don't mm-hmm. think that machine translation or AI or chat GPT is gonna take away the need for high quality human translations. I mean, Google Translate came out, what, 10, 12, 14 years ago. And we were like, oh, is this gonna put us out of business? It didn't. And the industry just grew because now I hop in the taxi cab and I can communicate with somebody. It's good enough. So you have to think about, do you want good enough or do you want high quality? Um, and then I just read a research report on what people want in markets and they want it fast and they want it on demand and they want it quick. Like 98% of the respondents want this. So this seems like, ooh, technology would be good. But then on the other hand, 88% of people, particularly younger people, have a real nationalistic pride and they want you to pay attention to their culture. And so it goes back to business school 101. You can't have it fast and cheap and good. So I, I don't yeah. think chat B, GPT is going to replace high quality translation just with the number of words that are added and the understanding of culture and all that. But on the other hand, I think it's fantastic that you can get a good enough or a gist translation if you're trying to weed through something. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Wendy, this has been such an incredible conversation. And, uh, you know, thank you so much for coming on the show and uh, sharing your expertise and experience with the listeners. Quick intro to yourself and how folks out there can get in touch with you. Sure. I'd love to have you get in touch with me. My, um, I have a link tree. And if you don't know about link tree, it's awesome. You can put all your links on there. Mm-hmm. So you can go download a couple free chapters of the book. You can get the link to Amazon. You can find our website. You can fi- find all my social media. So I post fun tidbits all the time about mm-hmm. the, you know, missed mistakes. And I love that um, Rolls Royce one. I hadn't heard that before. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so link tree is just L I N K T R dot ee slash Wendy Pease, W-E-N-D-Y-P as in Peter, E-A-S-E, all one word. So link tree slash Wendy Pease. Um, you find all my links there. Fantastic. And we will be sure to put a link to that um, in the show notes uh, for the uh, for the benefit of the audience. Um, Wendy, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'd like to leave everybody with um, some thoughts about translation, if you'll indulge me. I, I pulled up this quote. And there were many, but this one really from Nelson Mandela, uh, the late Nelson Mandela really jumped out at me, right? So he says, if you talk to a man in a language he understands, that goes to his head. But if you talk to him in his language, that goes to his heart. 
That's perfect. And you know, all mm-hmm. marketing is about connecting with emotions and feelings. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, 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 and I'll throw in just another one for, uh, you know, for the sake of variety. It's uh, by the famous, I think he was an, uh, a literary critic called George Steiner. So he said, without translation, we would be living in provinces bordering on silence. <laughs> I thought that was pretty, pretty amusing, but it's so true. It's so true. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, those are fantastic quotes. Thank you so much, Christian, for sharing those. You're welcome. Wendy, once again, thank you so much. Take care, stay safe, and uh, talk to you soon. Okay. Gracias. Right, bye for now. De nada. Bye for now. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the B2B Marketers on a Mission podcast. To learn more about what we do here at Einblick, please visit our website at www.einblick.co and be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player.